The upcoming presentation is a two-man power trip of wrestling podcast production. He's controversial. 20, 30, 40, 50 years from now. He's outspoken. You will tell your kids and your grandkids and your great, great grandkids. And he tells it like it is. That you watched a great athlete named the franchise. And he was the greatest world heavyweight champion of all time. He is the franchise Shane Douglas. And you are listening to the Triple Threat Podcast. Prepare to get your ass franchised. here right now this is the triple threat podcast being brought to you today and powered on the two-man power trip of wrestling's podcasting empire if you didn't know by now my name is chad and as always i'm joined by the traveling man himself the one and only jp john paz and of course on this show the one dear to your heart my god he's the greatest of all time he is the franchise Shane Douglas. Shane, welcome back in here for a huge episode 91. Hey, big 91 right now. I'm buzzing right now. I just came out of the movie theater with my boys uh, seeing Avengers Endgame. If you haven't seen it, won't give you any spoilers, but it's a freaking phenomenal movie. They said on Monday is when the spoiler, uh, the, the spoiler, you know, like deadline ends for everybody. So you can stop tiptoeing around it after Monday. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, most people will know by then anyway because uh, it's just astounding. What, $1.2, $1.3 billion in the first weekend? That's just crazy. You know, just crazy numbers. But when you see the movie, uh, you'll see why. I mean, it wraps up all those storylines, uh, pulls everything together really pretty cool uh, in, a, in a pretty cool way. And for somebody like me that grew up reading those comic books, the old Marvel comic books, there were so many little, you know, things thrown in from the old comic books that like had me scratching my head trying to remember back there someplace but extraordinarily well done movie call me crazy i uh i think i saw the first iron man and uh i might have seen a little bit of the hulk i've never seen any of these movies call me crazy I, i can't believe it everybody else in the world but uh not the old chadster uh man you're missing out you're gonna go back and watch them but, but you do have to watch them in order because each time they throw something in for the next one and, you know, keep building it, you know, it's uh, astounding that, you know, look just looking at it from a studio point of view, that they've been planning this all along and, and planting these things because you know, what, what would have happened if one of those movies were taken a shitter, you know, or didn't draw the money that it needed to or just didn't have the fan base behind it and, you know, all along they kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger 
until they get to this thing and and uh just just amazing really really well done movie i mean if, for anybody that hasn't seen it out there and you have caught the other movies definitely go and catch them and if you haven't caught the other movies if you're the other person on the planet earth like chad uh, I, think <laughs> I heard this too that haven't seen them uh go back and start with iron man one and just, just go right through and watch them in order yeah, Chad and Ian, those are the two uh, people that haven't uh, <laughs> that haven't seen it. Now, I know these are long movies, and John, I know you're a fan of uh, of the superhero genre of the Marvel Comics universe. And these are long movies, am I right? Oh, they're very long, but I haven't seen Endgame yet, but I have heard it's about three hours. Shane, is that correct? Is it about three hours long? Uh, I think about 310, 315. It's over three because we went in. And it did get a little, you know, for you know, for the the thirty year old guy like me to sit in a theater for that long, uh, <laughs> gets a little bit rough. But uh, it, you know, it, it, the movie really keeps on the end of your seat. But at the end, like you, you can see, like at the end, they're having to rush to like wrap up certain particular storylines. And it's like when you think the movie's done, then there's this extra part, and then this extra part, and then an extra part, and another extra part. And like, okay, just wrap the damn thing up already. I got the point, but it's, it, it is a very well-done movie. So for it being a long three-hour movie, that just kind of, you know, kind of set me up in what I wanted to ask you. So if, let's just say uh, 300 people go into the movie theater at the start of the movie, do you think, similar to a certain wrestling product, by the end of it, yeah. by, the, by the third hour, that 190 people will be there by the end? Does it gradually go down in terms of the audience throughout the three hours? No, it, it actually held the audience pretty well, but I, I would dare say that if it went on for another 20 or 30 minutes or, or another three or four hours, you'd probably have lost some along the way. Uh, just uh, insane. Like I've always said, you like everybody knows what a kiss mark I am, right? I can't wait to see them when they get back. I was on the road when they came to Pittsburgh when we catch them in this tour. Last tour will be three uh, years long, so I'll catch them in several places. But I don't want to see Kiss play for seven hours. I mean, that's just like, <laughs> they give me a good two, two and a half hours, and I'm good to go and wrap it up. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, I'm still scratching my head over that. And, you know, then you look at, like, all the uh, – we talked about it a little bit last week, but then, you, you know, you see the stock and, and everything. It's rebounded a little bit towards the end of this week. But, uh, you know, everything heading southward. And, and, you know, now we see the exodus of the – the talent something over to AEW. It's uh, going to be a very interesting uh, little battle on the uh, Irish with his hands. It's so crazy because, you know, we'll talk about the ratings. If for those that haven't caught that, just kind of <laughs> dancing around it, but the ratings that Shane has literally talked about every year since WCW closed. And you, and it's so funny. If you go back and listen to old interviews of you that you've given throughout the years and you always like say like, you know, over the last five years, over the last six years, and every year, that number you give yeah. of the percentage of people going down and watching, you just add another year on, and the number just keeps going up, just like you keep saying. So it's kind of funny to see you've always kind of stayed in line with the trend as that number goes down, and your number goes up in terms of the years. Well, the, the, the funny thing about that is, is uh, like I always tell people, next year at this time, rest assured, they will be below where they are this Bucking some amazing turnaround trend that I sure as hell don't see any, any seedlings of. Uh, you know, they've now I can already hear, you know, Vince McMahon where I was calling God how I wish he was. Uh, you know, that you know, across the board, all entertainment genres are down, right? There's, you know, 
TV shows that used to routinely draw, you know, eight, 10 million people are drawing, you know, three, 4 million, but they're not down 95, 96%. And, and that's the point. When you look back to where wrestling was uh, back when the three companies were in business and then diluted down into the one uh, company. And, you know, so obviously you have a drop off of that, but there, there's no way to really qualify these numbers other than, the product reflecting exactly. I mean, I'd be shocked if the numbers would rebound based on the product that I'm watching. I saw people online were kind of trying to give an excuse saying like, Oh, but uh, cable lost a million subscribers this year because people are going streaming, but that actually technically wouldn't affect the ratings because they do it by home. So the ratings actually should be going up if, if people are, you know what I mean? It, it should all even out or go up or whatever. So that just proves that less and less people are watching and I don't know what, what the exact reason is other than that, that they absolutely stink and have no creative and they have no angles or stories and they have no idea what they're doing <laughs> and there might be too much women's wrestling. But besides that, you know what I mean? Like the fans are trying to make excuses for it, but it, the excuses don't make sense. Well, exactly. I mean, and, you know, if you want to be an apologist, you can, you know, you can give an excuse for anything. Uh, unless you're trying to excuse CNN blow ratings, then you know, Jeffrey Zucker. <laughs> I saw this today. Jeffrey Zucker got a, 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 a promotion to the chairman of uh, either chairman of television and sports or chairman of entertainment and sports. And I thought, look at those ratings. I mean, God, I'd love to have that kind of boss, right? Do a really, really, really shitty job and get promoted next year. It's uh, but, yeah, you know, and, and one other thing that has to be said here about the ratings, back when the three companies were in, in existence, a one-point rating was 976,000 homes. Uh, and now it's like 1.2 million homes. So, you, you, you know, it's not apples to apples directly, but it's close. And those, the reason those numbers have changed is because of the change in the landscape of how, uh, how many other outlets there are, uh, you know, people streaming, that sort of thing. So that, that has had some impact on the numbers as well. But, you know, when you look at it, there's, there's really no way, unless you're being an apologist to explain, uh, or, you know, or as I say, to explain away those numbers, uh, other than like you said, JP, that the, the product is just abysmal. And, you know, then this week there were, you know, lots of things coming out about all the writers that, that, that are quitting. And, uh, I felt bad for the one kid, uh, I think he came from ESPN uh, back in February, I believe. He went on his Twitter or Facebook account and said, you know, I can finally announce it. I'm so excited. I've got my dream job. I tell him I'm going to be working for WWE. Two and a half months later, he's quit. <laughs> you know, it's, it's like, Jesus, you know, like, good Lord, imagine, like, you know, hey, you know, you've always wanted to work for network television, and, and finally you get that job, and two and a half, two and a half months later, you go, you, you tap out. Uh, uh, just you know, I don't see any positive signs. I mean, you know, the AEW I think has the, the one huge thing they have going for them, other than the obvious stuff. You know, the, the deep-pocketed investor. Uh, uh, you know, the, but with the landscape being what it is, I mean, let's face it, Vince Man twenty years ago was pretty much in, invincible. Uh, not because. You know that, it, 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 you know. He, I mean, he was good, but it wasn't. It, it was also had the addition of WCW was just that bad, uh, as far as the way it was being run. But you know, now you look, look at that product and like the, every time I watch it, which it ain't often, 
But when I do watch it, like I scratch my head and think, like, what happened to that guy? Like, where did he go? Because, you know, like when we were WCW, it was rare, but there was an occasional time we would, you know, we would nail it. You know, we'd have a really good TV taping. And then you would turn, you know, you'd get home and, you know, you'd watch the tape, and, you know, my wife or whoever would have taped for me. And it, it, honestly, you always felt like the coyote trying to grab the roadrunner. You know, just when you thought you were getting it right, beep, beep, and he would take off a million miles an hour. Uh, what has happened to that guy? Where did he go? Because that show on paper, like I said after WrestleMania, anybody that knows this industry, and there's lots of them, could have looked at that on paper and said, is this a fucking joke? Uh, it's horrendous on paper. Now, sometimes things can exceed what you see on paper. It's rare, but that can happen sometimes. But again, I don't want to, at the three-hour mark, I was starting to fidget in my seat tonight. Like, okay, it's great, but i got to get home. You know, it's, uh, you know, imagine another four hours plus on top of that. Uh, I just don't get it. It's a head scratcher. Um, and then you added it with the cost of it, right? I mean, you've exponentially shot your expenses up for a show that's seven and a half hours long as, you know, compared to what a, a, a two and a half to three and a half hour show would cost. Um, and, you know, if you look at the weekly trends in the television, uh, hour three always trails off, you know, uh, at least you know, recently. Um, you see that like second hour gets a little bit wobbly towards the end of the second hour. It starts to trail off and then the third hour drops off uh, recently precipitously. Um, you know, it's, uh, you know, keep in mind like this younger generation, right? Like when we were all kids, you know, uh, uh, you know, it was normal to sit down and watch a two hour movie, you know, two, three hour football game, baseball game, whatever. Uh, these kids today, because of the way that they're, you know, the social medias and the way they've been brought up, uh, they have the attention span of a gnat. So like a two hour movie to a, 13, 14, 15-year-old kid, which are the prime years of the entrance into professional wrestling fandom, uh, they they don't want to watch God for two hours. You know, so, like, the three-hour format just has never made sense to me, other than he's squeezing the network for more money. Right. Um, you know, so, you know, the business side of it, but, I, but my, my question would be, like, from the network's point of view, you know, are they really that enamored with the ratings that are trailing off and, and continual decline, uh, at some point there's got to be a, a reckoning, you know, at some point in the, you know, network, unless your name's Jeff Zucker and then keep watching the ratings. <laughs> I've got to mention it again, Chris Cuomo, that cocky prick asshole, uh, draw, he, his show came in 26th last week, 26th. Uh, now that means, like he's behind like Hallmark, uh, Baby I Love You movie, um, <laughs> you know, like cooking shows and stuff. Uh, it's it's hilarious, but you know, again, Jeff Leppard's got a uh, a great big promotion, so like he's got a really, really, I think, overly kind executive. But most TV executives I've ever worked for or been around uh, didn't exactly have that kind streak and and uh, that, that 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 prolonged patience. Uh, so it, it, again, it's going to be interesting to see. I, I'm dying to see when they finally launch the uh, the new Fox show. I am dying to see the new format. Uh, you know, in my heart of hearts, as much as I dislike Vince McMahon and we're never going to get along, 
I would love to see that show get on track and, and, you know, nail it down because, Hey, I, I love watching wrestling. Um, and I, that, I find that show to be purely unwatchable. Uh, there's nothing in it. And that's, that's not just the, the 30 plus year veteran speaking. I can vividly remember the six, seven year old kid that used to watch the old studio wrestling. And I can remember the teenager that used to watch the WOR show at midnight on Saturdays. Uh, if I was that kid again, right now, this show would not interest me. Um, I was a, a person that really dug into the, uh, I was hooked in by the characters and the storylines and the angles, that sort of thing. Uh, you know, if I want to watch acrobatics, I'll turn on gymnastics. Um, uh, again, I, I, I find the kids athleticism jaw dropping, but it ain't wrestling. You know, it's, uh, and you watch, you know, without relitigating this, uh, you know, you, you can watch on any Monday night, uh, or whatever day the week SmackDown is on. I don't even know anymore. Uh, but you can watch it and watch how many times you see the baby face throw the first punch or kick. And like, that's the dead giveaway that the, the train has done left the tracks. Um, you know, it's, uh, you know, again, Vince McMahon, we're on here, you say, well, it's a TV show. We're not producing a wrestling show. Amen, brother. I agree. <laughs> it's, uh, uh, but do you think, Vinny Mac, that that might have something to do with the decline in those ratings? Do you think that might have something to do with the vestiges we've been seeing in, in the stocks, uh, you know, and everything trending southward, you know, the, uh, the per capita uh, uh, merchandise spending at the venues, the precipitous drop in attendance at the venues, at the live venues, I mean, uh, the television ratings drop, uh, you know, across the board. So uh, enough said about that. Just to throw this out there, Raw was basically 2.1 million, which is lower than they have been in a while. SmackDown below 2, point, uh, 2 million, 1.8 million. And just to throw it out there, Game of Thrones, 12 million viewers for the last episode in total. If you add everything up for the first episode, which obviously people are rewatching and things like that, 38 million people. So people are definitely interested in good TV products. If you have a good TV product, that would be not so much. Absolutely. And then one point final salt and pepper to put on this conversation. We're in the immediate post WrestleMania period. Uh, historically, that has been a boom point for the WWE as they wrap up old storylines, launch new storylines. Uh, you know, this is traditionally for them a really hot time of year. And, you know, we're seeing the exact opposite this year. Is it, is it portending things to come? Is this a, is this a, a trend that is now reaching its apex or, or, uh, have they bottomed out and gonna, gonna jump back up? Uh, I think everybody knows Bryce pinned on that. <laughs> You know, but you've said for years, you know, how he's, Vince is so calculated and there's everything he does is does he's done with a purpose. I, I've gone down like a, a Tony Atlas rabbit hole the last couple of days. And Tony Atlas says every time he was ever brought back, it was for a specific reason to bury him somehow. So there's another calculated reason why Vince would do something. I think it just boils down to this eye of the tiger. He doesn't have it anymore. It's just, it's yeah. okay. He's in his 70s. He's not supposed to be, you sure. know, the, the 1989, 1995 Vince McMahon who would literally squeeze the chicken dead on live TV. 
if it got people yeah. to watch it. It's just it maybe the eye of the tiger's gone. He's an older guy. Let's. That's one thing I could probably pinpoint. He doesn't get the new talent because he's an older guy now. You know. Yeah, well, I, I couldn't agree more. And you know, most people like, will disagree and say, well, like, you know, success begets success, right? Uh, you know, and I'll use another Kiss analogy. You go back and you listen to the songwriting uh, of Kiss at the beginning when they were starving artists from New York. Uh, really sharp songwriting. Uh, even once they started getting big, but they, they were still like immediately, you know, once they were starting to really get big, like in 76, 77, uh, you know, they still had starvation in their rearview mirror. Uh, you know, they, they had just come from that, but now you listen and then they're, they, they, you know, every, every couple of years I'll put out an album and there's one or two really solid songs on it, but the rest of them just really are weak, you know, just, you know, just not a par with what they used to put out. Well, they're all multi, multi, multi-millionaires living in mansions in Hollywood. You know, it's pretty hard to, you know, to, to, to sing that song from the streets or, you know, that, something that a teenage kid's going to identify when you're worth $300 million and you're living in a mansion. Um, you know, and I think Vince, the same thing, you know, the guy's worth billions of dollars. Uh, you know, he, he couldn't possibly, and for whatever reason, and, you know, we've talked about this before, so I won't go into it again, but for whatever reason, Vince clearly has some chip on his shoulder about professional wrestling. I mean, how many times do you hear Vince and somebody says the, 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 the words uh, professional wrestling to him? He'll clarify and say, that's my dad's business. I'm in the sports entertainment business. Uh, <laughs> you know, what that is, you know, I've talked to Dominic about it. I've talked to Bruno for years about it. Uh, other Kevin Sullivan, Terry Funk, other people that have been around Vince a lot longer than I have been. Uh, and, and they don't quite know. All they know is that they agree with what I'm saying, that you know, it's very clear that he has some kind of real hard on against professional wrestling. And, you know, to me, that's a, a head scratcher. You know, like I, I always say jokingly, but rip it on the square. If picking up dog shit made me a billionaire, we'd have 91 episodes of me talking about the wonders of picking up dog shit. Um, <laughs> you know, so I, I just, uh, you know, I think there's a little uh, uh, synergy of all those things. You know, you have uh, the loss of the eye of the tiger. He's fabulously wealthy. Uh, and as he's created this new Frankenstein's monster called sports entertainment, there's no real definition for that other than what Vince says it is. And, you know, you can see, I mean, you, you've been to the conventions and we'll hear the TMPT con three in a few weeks. Uh, the fans saying the exact same thing, uh, just not there anymore. You know, so, you know, that compared to, you know, uh, the rock star treatment we used to get, you know, you'd pull into, uh, you know, some small town in Germany and, you know, you'd think that, you know, the, the uh, president of the United States had pulled in or the Beatles had pulled in or something. Uh, uh, same thing in every town around America, you know, you'd pull in at midnight, uh, after the show and the, the hotel would be packed with, uh, a lot of rats, uh, a lot of kids wanting autographs, a lot of parents bringing those kids, uh, you just don't see that kind of uh, uh, connection with the fan base anymore. You know, it's, I, I guess my Twitter kids uh, uh, said it best. You know, they said, told me about a year ago, you know, we wish we were old enough to be a fan 
when you were world champion. And I said, well, who wants to be older than they are? Why would you say that? And he said, well, when you were world champion, it was, you know, it was still cool to watch wrestling. And I sort of scratched my head. I said, you mean, it's not anymore? He said, no, no. If you watch wrestling now, you're the dork. You know, you're considered like the loser at school, which is just, you know, a head scratcher to me. Um, I mean, I get it. You know, with all the stuff we're talking about, about the product. But, you know, it's, uh, look, we've talked about this. We know it. That you hear fans at every show, every convention talking about it. Does anybody here honestly believe that Vince McMahon doesn't know it? Uh, do you think he watches that show and goes, this is a great show, pal? <laughs> um, you know, it's, uh, if so, then I, I would say, you know, in addition to the loss of the eye of the tiger being fabulously wealthy, I would say maybe a bit of civility may be setting in as well. Uh, if he thinks that that show is a good show. Yeah, maybe loss of the eye of the tiger when it comes to creating the magical television that he used to. But we all know uh, on this uh, this protected line, which you know we've all been zapped before, so maybe it's not that protected. <laughs> yeah. But we all know that he knows what's going on around the business. That still hasn't stopped. I mean, that that there's still the yeah. uh, the the news flow. There's still the informational flow to him. It's just the execution part that's lacking, and it has to do with the absolute ridiculous number of hours of content he has to produce. And I don't think he's one to admit that that's too much for him at 70 something years old. So we'll, uh, yeah. we'll kind of put that to bed. We'll come back to it. Cause I'm sure it's just going to be more and more of a topic in the coming weeks as the numbers I'm sure are not going to be trending in the other direction. It's going to be trending in the other direction. So we'll keep our eyes on that and kind of talk more about the talent and what's going on with them. We have a few things we'll touch on this week, uh, but we got to get into it. You know, we've been dying to talk to you about this past weekend, your awesome weekend out there in Ohio and Wisconsin, uh, the return of Francine to the managerial position alongside the franchise. Yeah. First time in 10 years that she's been ringside, uh, as well as the convention that you guys attended. Just seeing the pictures, just seeing the love for the two of you. Looking back, how was it, and especially the time you got to spend with Francine and uh, the weekend as a whole? It was. It really was fantastic. I, you know, it, it, you know, we, I've seen. It's not. I haven't seen Francine, right? So it's not like, hey, long lost buddy, I haven't seen you for twenty years. Uh, but uh, what impressed me was her timing. Uh, you know, at ringside, uh, you know, you know, I mean, you haven't done something for 20 plus years, uh, or in our case, haven't worked together in close to 15 years. Uh, you'd think there would be like a little bit of a, a lag and, you know, a, a misstep here or there. Uh, Francine's timing was impeccable. And, you know, when Kevin, uh, a few times when I gave her some open shots to guys and stuff, you know, she... In typical ECW fashion, laid it in. Uh, <laughs> but you know, the it, it, it really was impressive to watch, and and for me, it was fun because I could see the fun that she was having. Uh, you know, it, it it made me have. I, I mean, I have fun when I perform. I love performing, but uh, you know, for me, it just elevated it. You know, and and the the part that really, I don't want to say shocked us, but you know, it was it was a, a bit humbling. <clears throat> to see and the connection on Friday night at the uh, show in, in uh, Parma, Ohio, uh, they had to delay the start of the show about a half an hour because there were so many people lined up, uh, you know, to get pictures and things. And they finally cut that off to start the show. And then at intermission, 
uh, we went back out and they had to delay another 15 or 20 minutes before Francine and I, you know, wrapped up and then walked over to the side to sign some more autographs and take some pictures and stuff, you know, away from the action. So it wasn't detracting from the show. Uh, and then we saw the same type of thing on Saturday night at the, uh, uh, ACW Wisconsin, uh, uh, convention and show, you know, huge turnout, a beautiful building, brand new building, uh, in Oshkosh. Uh, and the fans really got a, a great show. You know, I, I, I got a chance to watch about half, maybe a little bit less than half of the show, uh, because there was so much stuff going on backstage. But, you know, they, what I saw was that the fans had gotten a really good show and were really into it, you know. And so, you know, you, you can see, you know, these trends outside of WWE, uh, you know, going in the other direction, independent wrestling jumping up. And then you see shows like this doing so much better uh, than they had, like, say, say five, three to four or five years ago. Uh, so clearly it's not a it's not a business trend. It's a company trend uh, that we're seeing there. But being back at ringside with Francine and, and in the ring, uh, you know, just was like, uh, you know, you hear people talk about, you know, like time warp, you know, going back, uh, you know, stepping through the doorway of time. It was like stepping right back into 1995, six, seven uh with her and you know just had a just an awful lot of fun and, and we've had uh, moose has seen a huge uptick he's had a, since this past weekend had a huge surge in requests for getting francine and i back at, at ringside and, and those dates for, so anybody that's listening uh that would like to use the two of us uh working on your on a sh- upcoming event please get a hold of Shane Douglas booking at gmail.com immediately because he's already got dates into November that are filling up. So, uh, you know, the fans seem to really enjoy themselves and we enjoy ourselves. So, uh, if anybody out there is interested in, in getting us on, don't, don't drag your feet, get you know, get on to Shane Douglas booking at gmail.com. Yeah. Oh my gosh. If there's anybody even contemplating it and we're starting to see them pop up left and right, you guys are going to be in North Carolina all the way in September. So you could see how people yeah. are planning throughout the rest of the year already. Because, you know, like, you know, I've said to you and, and we, we've kind of, <laughs> we've intimated this as well. I mean, obviously, look, you're going to be in Richmond in a few weeks and Francine's going to be in Richmond. So we know that connection, but it's you two still being you two. And there's so many groups and, and duos and, and manager and talent that are no longer able to do these kinds of conventions together. And you both still look great, and you both still, you know, are, are great with the fans. And guess what? You're the perfect pairing. So when people see that, they do come out. And I love that in Ohio and in Wisconsin that you're seeing that. And it's not just the East Coast, or it's not just, you know, in, in one of the quote-unquote big territories. You're going into other places, and you guys are still getting that response. I think that's uh, that's really awesome. So take us behind the curtain and I literally, I mean, behind the curtain, as the music hits, the first time you guys are about to walk out the curtain together, what do you say to her? What does she say to you? Or do you guys have a nonverbal thing as that music starts? Uh, mostly nonverbal. But Franny was real nervous uh, the first night. Uh, you know, she was uh, you know a little bit nervous as we got closer, and the music started playing. Uh, but as soon as she walked the curtain, you know, you can just see like all that fall to the wayside and and the professional again and the queen of extreme emerges you know it's uh true pro but you know for us it, 
for, again, just getting wrapped up into it and having so much fun. The second night, uh, he, the veteran missed his cue uh, because I walked out and, you know, the, the, the typical entrance of the franchise and Francine, right, to hold the ropes open, to kiss, to beat your chest. Uh, and the fans ate it up the first night. Well, the second night I came out and did my typical solo. <laughs> I, I walked around the ring, I looked over, and Francine is on the apron looking at me like, hey, dumbass, and you're cute. So I ran back around and had to do it and, you know, got right back into it. But it's, uh, uh, you know, nostalgia is a powerful drug. You know, and, and you know, for all of us, you know, the first time I saw Kiss and Makeup after, you know, that, that long layoff, uh, the, 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 the Avengers movie tonight, taking me right back to being a kid, uh, you know, in the middle of summer on, on the porch reading all those comic books. Uh, for the fans that had that connection, in addition to all the stuff we said about the decline of, of WWE ratings, uh, you know, across the board, all the things we talked about. Now suddenly, those fans uh, that had that direct connection to ECW, and a lot that didn't, that were either too young, uh, have heard these stories about this company called ECW, uh, you know, the legend that it has become, now suddenly they're able to see uh, some of the main performers, the queen of extreme and the world champion from ECW. And, uh, you know, you can see it in the fans. There was a, there was a real... Uh, uh, blast and nostalgia, but but they were enjoying themselves. You know, the, the first night in Parma when I you know did the, the chest beat and laid back on a rope, I looked back over to the other side and watched the fans, and all I saw was ear to ear grins on everybody's face. Like, man, this is this is cool to be back here again. You know, it's a it's the kind of feeling that I think everybody should get to experience at least once in a lifetime. You know, to, to be able to have that feeling of re-injecting themselves into some huge uh, previous milestone in their life uh, because to relive that and see the excitement in the fans, uh, like I said, it was humbling, but it was also pretty goddamn cool. And I uh, look forward to doing a lot more. <laughs> now, before I get to my last, uh, not even questions, just really uh, kind of observation, I just have to ask this very important question to you, and is that is, did she ask about me? Between you and I, <laughs> just side here, so we don't uh, hit, hit the mute button so this doesn't go out of the podcast. But she was asking about mm, a couple people. And, you know, I, I can't quite fill in the names, but you know, she was, uh, uh, no, she she's uh, she was she was talking excitedly about the TMPT con coming up. Uh, we're going to be, uh, I think, they're still working out the uh, details, and we'll have more on that hopefully in the next week or two, but. Uh, you'll have a ch- fans there will have a chance to go out and have dinner uh, with us, and I don't want to get more too much information because it hasn't been finalized yet. Uh, but you know that's one of the things of, of many things that you guys have planned, and other promoters and vendors there have planned. So uh, I'm, I'm, I, I would dare say that the TMPT on uh, three in a few weeks we'll see more than enough franchise in Francine. <laughs> Only when I close my eyes. That's when I see enough. Uh... <laughs> but hey, I just, before I pass it over to John to get in the next topic, I got to say, you know, you realize that you kind of broke a, an unwritten rule that you had, and you did take a, a payoff from a McMahon this past week. You realize that, right? Or 
<laughs> Hornswoggle, McMahon, Vince McMahon's illegitimate son. You 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 got you work for Hornswoggle. <laughs> yeah, you know, he's he's a great guy, man. We uh, and honest to God, what a professionally run show. Uh, we got there. We had uh, swag bags uh, made up for all of us. Uh, you know, a, a loaded up dressing room, catering. Uh, water everywhere if you needed something else somebody could run and grab it for you uh you know people running you back to and from your table you know escorting you it, it was as professionally run an independent show as any show i ever been on uh companies included so to dylan uh you know kudos great job had a blast thank you for having us because it was a great great uh night a lot of fun and just really impressive to see the, the level of professionalism and the success of the show uh, for him and for the for the company that they had that kind of a turnout and the fans like I said they all the way around they got a, a great night you know Mark Henry was there uh, Mitch Foley was there uh, God there I, I know I missed people because there were so many people there a big cast uh, uh, geez, I, you know the, the backstage area was just sort of just running for people another thing and and just, I've only ever seen this on. Uh, big company shows, uh, big, big promotions. Uh, there was a room full of, uh, chiropractors and masseuse, uh, massage therapists, oh, wow. uh, in the back. Yeah. Very, very well run show. And, and, uh, it seemed like everybody was having a damn good time. And, and uh, you know, congratulations to those guys. Cause they did a great job. All right. Changing gears here. And it's just a topic that's been in there wrestling news lately and we even discussed this topic back in episode 14 which was in september of 2017 if you can believe that or not and it was about the one and only sasha banks it has been reported uh, well then well let's just say then we were talking about how she didn't like taking pictures in the airport she didn't like taking pictures at the hotel yes. she called fans stalkers that was kind of just to kind of catch you up so now and it's been all the way around WrestleMania and circulating, especially the day after WrestleMania, a lot of news to come out. So creative plans were for her and Bailey to lose the women's tag titles at Mania. And apparently her and Bailey were not happy about that. So post WrestleMania schedule, Sasha Banks threw a temper tantrum and uh, she didn't like the creative. She canceled media appearances, went home and pro wrestling sheet, which uh, breaks a lot of current wrestling news. And they seem to be on the ball with, with kind of um, more of the, the current crop of guys and really kind of, you know, maybe having a few people backstage or whatever the case, they seem to be getting these stories broken out a little bit before some of the other guys. So they actually broke a story that Sasha Banks and Bailey laid on the floor in the locker room in the hallway of their hotel and loudly protested the booking of the Mania match, a.k.a. them losing the tag titles. I don't know if you heard about this or seen any of this. I know it's been a couple of weeks since WrestleMania, but I wanted to bring this back up to you just because I thought it was so funny, but still relevant because she's kind of, um, you know, still kind of not wanting to be a part of the show and still crying apparently about losing. Well, you know, I did read it, uh, you know, when we got the link uh, for the for the episode, uh, for this week's episode, and, and clicked on it, and, and honest to God was shocked, you know, that, it, I mean, you know, it's not like you've got 12 or 13-year-old kids. These are grown women. Um, you know, and there's a way to handle your business that way. You know, if there's something you don't like, uh, 
you go to the writers, you go to the boss, you go to somebody, you know, an agent, whoever, and you sit down as a professional and say, hey, I've got some questions. Uh, you know, I, I don't see how in any professional walk of life, laying on the ground pouting and, and you know, yelling out, you know, whatever it was they were yelling out and, and complaining, uh, that that's going to quite get you very far. Um, you know, the, the one link that, that, was, that was in there and I was reading, uh, whoever wrote that link made, made a really good point. Uh, you know, a few years ago when Sasha Banks was hot and was setting a, you know, a, a certain standard, you know, that she was, because the, the women's division wasn't nearly as strong as it is now, and she was really standing out because of that. Uh, now suddenly there's, you know, there's been a huge uptick, and then a lot of those young women, according to the writer, have, have been following in Sasha's footsteps and, you know, maybe getting a foot or, you know, a step or two beyond uh, you know, here's one thing I've learned a long time ago in wrestling. There is nobody that's inexpendable. Nobody. Uh, Bruno San Martino was, was blackballed and fired uh, in one of his earlier runs as champion when he started talking about a union in the dressing room uh, and was blackballed and starved for three years. Uh, Hogan at his peak. Um, was not inexpendable. Flair at his best was not inexpendable. Uh, none of us are. There's always, especially there's a lot of talented guys and women around uh, around the industry. Um, and the one thing that always stood out to me was there's always somebody willing to step into your place, into your spot. You know, but now that all said, this is Remember I said Frankenstein's monster? Uh, this is the Frankenstein's monster that Mr. McMoron has created. Uh, I'm sure that these, you know, women weren't just uber professional every night of their career there. And then one night something didn't go their way and they just decided to throw themselves on the floor and start moaning and groaning. Mm-hmm. Um, if they did that, they did it because at some earlier point it got them something. Somebody bent over backwards to, to pat them on the head, give them some more money, give them a hug or something. But, but there's a reason they responded that way. Um, you know, they, they, you talk about the eye of the tiger with Vince. The Vince man that I worked for, I, I don't imagine that that would have gotten any of us very far. Uh, I, to be honest with you, I don't know of anybody that would have done it in those days because aside from the boss, aside from the company firing you or, or whatever, the guys in the dressing room, you know, I, I can't imagine that Dick Slater or Dick Murdoch or uh, Terry hmm. Gordy or, you know, guys <laughs> like that would have taken too kind of to Shane Douglas throwing himself on the floor and, and holding my breath. Uh, but, you know, it's just all of these, every time I read these kind of stories, it just makes me scratch my head and think, where in the fuck has my industry gone? Uh, it's, it's uh, I, I don't know, astounding. You know, the, the, you know, I, you know I'll, I'll say this up front, just to stave off any, you know, the trolling bullshit. If those reports were inaccurate, uh, then I temper a bit of what I said. 
if they were anywhere near accurate. But I stand by everything I'm saying and and chastising both of them. You know, this is in the great big world of grown-ups, this is how professionals act. Not throw yourself on the floor and, and hold your breath and kick and moan and groan and, you know, yell out whatever you want to yell out. Uh, it's your next job, whatever that may be, um, try the professional route. Try walking in and saying, shake hands with the person, say, I got to talk to you about something, can we please talk? Uh, try the professional route. I'm just spitballing here. But I think you'll probably get a little bit further than me throw myself on the ground routine. It's just funny to see the, the Kenny of the, the quote unquote the diva come out and her her read these stories about it because you know it it always comes off um, I don't know not to say it, it comes off through the through the screen or the character or anything like that but it always comes off when you hear stories about her um, it doesn't come off well it doesn't really make her look great and you know they they sent her home her future was in doubt. Um, you know, it's one of those things. It's like they're going to bring her back, but if they do, are they going to cave to a crybaby? It's kind of a, a gray area where it's like, okay, if you bring her back, do you punish her, or do you bring her back and you kind of put her where she was, or do you give her a push? Like, how do you handle something like that? So it's such a weird uh, dynamic to happen. Well, if, if you bring them, bring her back, and you you don't give any kind of pushback, any form of a punishment. Uh, whether that slid down the card, a pay cut. Uh, uh, the, the one link that I was reading said that there's some new way that Ben structures the contract that, let's say you have a year left in your contract and you quit and go home, that he can then extend the contract for an additional year based on how much time you have left on your contract. Uh, but it, it, the bigger thing, again, like just looking at contemporary speaking, you know, you have another company starting up, AEW. Uh, You've got to ask yourself, what is a professional like Tony Khan, who runs NFL football teams on Wimbledon Stadium, and I'm sure a whole bunch of other business stuff. Uh, so you walk out on this and go, screw you, Vince, man, fuck you, I'll never work for you again. I'm going to throw myself on the ground here and hold my breath. Uh, and that report gets out. Do you think that Tony Khan may be thinking, mm, I would have used her, but I don't want to throw herself on the ground here if she when I do something she doesn't like. Uh, you know, in this business, you know, your your reputation precedes you, good and bad. You know, so uh, I, I don't. But again, I like I can't imagine. I'm sure that these young ladies are, are you know normal human beings and you know have been brought up right and everything else. So I can't imagine that they just decided to do that on their own. It, it, it must be part of the culture that would get somebody at that stage of their career because something happens they don't like to do something like that. Uh, I just can't imagine that they say that the idea popped in their head and said, okay, come on, I got an idea. Let's do this. Uh, there must have been something that they've seen either somebody else do something similar if not the exact same thing, or like a squeaky wheel gets the grease, if we just act ridiculous, like so-and-so did before, we'll get our way. Uh, but there's something that the, the, the company, that the, the agents, somebody in that system 
at some point allowed something similar or like that to happen because I just unless I'm really missing it I just cannot imagine you know what mid to late 20s early 30s I don't know Sasha Banks is or Bailey but you know the grown women uh, that a grown woman uh, especially in, in a company that big and for that long both have been there for you know it's not like they got there last week um, that suddenly they're going to start acting like that uh, it just tells me that they had to see somebody do something similar or ridiculous before and, and got, got their way by doing that. So they were monkey see, monkey do. So, you know, trying to repeat that, and unfortunately it didn't seem like it worked out that way. Um, I don't know, just bizarre. I, when I got that link and clicked on it, I was open and reading it. I'm just sitting there reading the computer screen going like, is this a joke? <laughs> like, like somebody would really do this, uh, but I, I I don't know. But you know, now that all said, I I could also say that working in a place like that can frustrate the living fucking hell out of you to the point that you want to choke somebody. Uh, you know, some people would choke somebody. Some other people might throw themselves on the ground and and hold their breath. I, I don't know, but you know, there were. Uh, times when we were up there, you know, that, uh, that, that, you, that you did feel the need to just tell somebody to fuck off because, you know, you, you like in my case, trying to professional route didn't get you anywhere. Uh, you know, you see, you shovel work out on time all the time, working your ass off, you know, never being late. And then you see other people out of the cliff coming and showing up whenever they wanted hours late sometimes uh not showing up at all in other times uh and yet never getting pushed down the card you know, still getting the limousines picking them up and flying first class uh, you know it's just uh it's a very bizarre place to work and it ain't for the faint of heart you know it's uh it, it's you know you don't mind being treated like a piece of shit and talked down to and being condescendingly treated uh, that's part of the good place to go to work, uh, if you don't mind that stuff. Um, but you know, I, 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 I'm not excusing at all what, what they did. I, I, I'm just merely stating that I can see somebody getting frustrated to the point of acting out. Uh, I would have acted out probably a little more violently than, than, <laughs> than throwing myself on the ground. No. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, believe it or not, you know, I, used to, I don't know if you guys ever heard this. I used to have a temper. Uh, I'm a I've grown into a sweet guy now. I'm just a nice, <laughs> easy going guy. But no, it, it, it can be an incredibly frustrating place to work. And, uh, you know, and the other part of this is just as a professional. You know, if you're under contract, meaning you're professional, uh, a contract is binding. You know, one of the, you know, a, a legal and valid contract is one of the hardest things to break because uh, tort law is. You know, if, if, if anybody can break the contract anytime they want, then A, they mean nothing. And companies like WWE can't then rely on their long term planning because if Shane Douglas can just leave anytime he wants. Uh, you know, so, you know, like I've said before on this show and, and a million other interviews, there are worse things than being fired, especially in professional wrestling. Uh, you know, so. If, 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 again, if those reports are accurate, 
hopefully they've both learned a little something and don't exhibit that kind of behavior again. Uh, you know, you get pissed off and walk and smack somebody in the face, smack Vince in the face. <laughs> please, please, please smack him in the face. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> no, it, it, it just, you know, it just really is, uh, you know, again, just from where I sit looking at this and knowing, like, the business that was, and then you hear stories like this today. I, I, I can't even begin to imagine how badly you would have gotten ripped in the dressing room. Uh, you know, there were some stiff rivers, you know, like, uh, dynamite and Davy boy. And, uh, you know, there, you know, it wasn't just, they were going to hide your boots on you tonight. Like there, there were some, you know, turn in your, in your bag, uh, cut your clothes up. Uh, you know, and there, there were a lot of the hillbilly, or not hillbilly, Jim, uh, the, uh, Outback Jack story. Right. Uh, you know, so there was, <laughs> <laughs> there was some pretty stiff stuff that could go on, and that's what those kind of that that's what would have happened back then, if you would have acted that childish back then. Um, and and I'm not saying that's right either, but you'd have known better. You know, it, it, there is no chance in hell that a young Shane Douglas at that early stage of my career would have, or at any stage of my career, done something like that because my God is like. How would you walk in that dress room the next day and look anybody in the eye? Like, hey, don't worry about me throwing myself on the ground yesterday and kicking my feet and holding my breath and yelling out whatever it was they were yelling out. Uh, I was just having a bad day. You know, it's just like, uh, bizarre. Honest to God, bizarre. Yeah, it seems like the locker room is getting kind of softer and softer, and it's not just on the woman's side, just to kind of tie it in. Leo Rush who is obviously a Raw superstar, or, or, well, he was on 205 Live, and he was managing Bobby Lashley on Raw, and he's been getting into a little bit of trouble, a lot of backstage heat. Mark Henry had some kind of, uh, not nasty, I guess true things he said about him. You know, he didn't really like his attitude, uh, a lot of different things that, that the people have said about him. Um, you read that he, he, his wife is at, like, rehearsal, because I guess, you know, for whatever reason, she's allowed to sit there and do it. And a couple of the wrestlers said, you know, your wife really shouldn't be out here. And he kind of was like thinking, I guess, that he's a big star. Now the wife can be out there. Uh, he wouldn't get water, even though he's a rookie. It's the tradition for the, uh, the rookies to get the veterans the water. I mean, some, some people might say it's hazing or whatever, but I mean, that's the most harmless thing ever. And if you're a rookie, you just do it. And, you know, you get right. the veterans water and you carry it. Maybe the veterans don't have to carry anything. You should be carrying it. I mean, little things here and there, and it's coming off that he uh, thinks he's a bigger star than he is. He's got a bad attitude. Um, to be honest, us personally uh, here at this show, uh, we've had um, not really show-related, somewhat, I guess, show-related, but had some a couple of years ago negative uh, interactions with him, and it was a lot of attitude-based stuff where he kind of thought he was bigger than what he, what he was. And um, not to tie that into it, but just throwing it out there, personal experience, I know he's got a bit of an attitude um, but also wanted to throw out throw out there, he was complaining about money issues as well. Remind me again, uh, how much money has he drawn on his career? Uh, that I don't know. Uh, my guess would be none, <laughs> because <laughs> he's never been in a main event position, and we'll never see a main event position with that kind of an attitude. Uh, right. You know, again, that's how the industry used to be run. You know, if if you had an attitude, 
those those old timers would have ribbed your ass right out of that dressing room or whooped your ass in that dressing room. Uh, you know, and and then if you would just keep taking the ribbon that they would give you and didn't amend your behavior, or whatever, uh, it would have worked itself out one way or the other. The one thing that was certain is that would not have been allowed to continue. Um, so, you know, some of the heat I would throw back on the dressing room. You know, you should be self-policing. If you're showing up to work uh, and you're a professional, uh, what I'll tell this guy is that if he thinks it's being disrespectful to go get, uh, you know, the veterans water or something like that, those veterans that have drawn shitloads of money in their career, they did the same thing when they were the, the low guy on the totem pole. So it's not like you're being treated in, in, in a disrespectful manner because you're getting treated exactly like they got treated. Uh, but those guys took it, worked themselves into it, became respected in the dressing room and liked in the dressing room because of, of that and worked themselves up and then at some point was put in a position to draw money. Um, you know, if, if you can't have respect for the guys that and women that have come before you and drawn the money, uh, that company is in business today because of what those veterans did last week, last month, last year, or a decade ago. Uh, if you can't show respect to that, then you're in the wrong industry. You know, if you think you're being disrespected, because those veterans expect you to do the same stuff that they did when they were in, in your position on the card, uh, then you are clearly in the wrong industry. Um, this, this, this has nothing to do with hazing or disrespecting anybody. It's, it, it's the way the, the totem pole sits. Uh, I, I, I've got friends that play in the NFL and, and the NHL, they got the same kind of treatment, similar, you know, maybe slight differences, like specific uh, on the specifics. But when you're the new kid coming out of college and going into the uh, Penguins locker room, uh, yeah, you're you're getting you know a few elbows and a few little jabs and that kind of stuff. Probably because the guys are pulling you into the into their fraternity, and if you don't want be part of that fraternity you're in the wrong industry uh if you think that you have the right to do whatever you want when you're that guy low man on the totem pole and have never drawn a dime if you think that because some the social media site says you're the greatest thing since sliced bread or the shittiest wrestler of all time don't don't believe your press kid because you got to impress your bosses and you got to impress your dressing room because if you have to go into the ring, guess what? It takes two to dance. It takes two to have a good match. So if you're going in and being disrespectful to those guys, like, like you said something a second ago about Mark Henry, uh, I sat on Saturday night and had a great conversation with Mark. It's the, probably the longest conversation I've ever had. We've always been friendly with each other and said hello. But he is an incredibly nice guy. Uh, so if, if if Mark Henry is saying, telling you like some advice, maybe you ought to listen to it. Uh, how many 
contract he signed at WWE, how much, how, how long has he been there on TV, uh, how much money has he put in the bank from that company. Uh, and I'm sure that that respect that he shows is probably a big part of that reason that he's been there that long. Um, you know, if, if you've got a guy like Mark Henry happen to set you straight in the dressing room, then you must really be, you know, grating on some nerves back there because, you know, like I said, Mark is just the, one of the easiest going guys. You know, he'll get hot when he has to, but, you know, he's one of the easiest going and most polite guys I think I've ever met in the business. Um, but again, where, where did this come from? Like, why would a kid like that coming into the business that's never drawn a dime think that he thinks that he has the right to go out and tell the veterans, hey, screw you, my wife has the right to be down here. Uh, no, I'm not getting water. Fuck you. Uh, I mean, like, where does that come from? You know, nobody is, well, maybe the old-timers used to have you know, a little more of a an edge of the reason they did stuff, but um, here, here's the one thing I'm certain of. If I would have acted like that in the dressing room, all those people that I've talked about ad nauseum in every interview I've ever done and on this podcast for now 91 episodes, the Pez Watleys, the Dick Murdochs and Dick Slaters and Eddie Gilberts and Bill Watts and Dusty Rhodes and all the guys I've worked, Terry Funks and Magnum TAs and Ricky Steamboats and, you know, just keep going, right? I mean, all these guys that I worked with, all of them taught me something. If I'd have been a smartass, any of them along the way, if I'd have thought that I was all that in a bag of chips before I had drawn a dime in this business, I, I don't take a guess. I know with 1,000% certainty that not one of them would have taught me a thing. And, you know, so I, I just, I mean, these kind of things like throwing yourself on the ground and then hearing stories like this, these are the things that really make me scratch my head as to why would they do this? It's got to be a culture in that company. You know, some young kid walking, you know, when you're a young kid walking into a dressing room and you're walking into a dressing room with guys that you've watched on TV for years and years that you know if you're paying any attention in your industry, have drawn a lot of money in their careers. And you're going to walk in there and not walk around and shake everybody's hand and introduce yourself. Uh, that's not a hazing thing. That's not a, a you know, treat you like a punk thing. That's a respect thing. Those guys in my dressing room have earned their respect. Uh, they've earned it on the road. They've earned it with the money they've drawn. They've earned it with uh, with the fact that they all knew their craft inside now. Uh, so who the hell would a young snot nose Shane Douglas have been to walk in a dressing room and think he didn't have to walk around and shake anybody's hand? Uh, I was eager to. I wanted to, to meet these guys. I wanted to show them respect. I wanted them to teach me anything. Uh, you know, it's just human nature. If you walk up to me and go to shake my hand, you know, if, I, if you try to shake my hand, I look at your hand, I turn and walk away. Before I get 18 inches away from you, you're thinking, that guy's a fucking dick. Um, so why would you do it? It just seems counterproductive to me. Um, <laughs> but, you know, what the hell would I know? 
I've only been in this business for what 19, 20 minutes, uh, <laughs> and I'm hoping one day to, to get it in a position where I might be able to draw some money and and you know maybe make a name for myself in this business. Get you a contract at the Performance Center. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah good, good lord. Can you can you imagine if uh, you you know you got the, uh, the the news you know you got to drop the UWF TV title tonight. If you decided to lay on the floor <laughs> in front of that locker room and protest the uh, the booking, so which way would you have been stretched? Eight ways to Sunday or six ways to Tuesday? Well, it, it wouldn't even been a stretch. It would have been get, getting your ass kicked. <laughs> um, I mean, I've, I've told you that story. You know, my first night working uh, when I walked to the curtain, and you know, yeah. I worked with Eddie Gilbert, and I walked to the curtain. Bill Watts, who was not a small man, you know, six three. At that time, like 320, 330, big, raw bone sausage hands. And, you know, you could tell the guy could handle himself um, and came at me like a bear. Not because I, you know, screwed anything up royal or whatever. I, I, Eddie Gilbert called the entire match. He was pissed because I was making rookie mistakes. And it, that was his way of teaching, not the, not the smoothest teaching style. But you certainly got it very quickly into your skull that he's not yelling at me like this because uh, he just is having a bad night. He wants me to learn. And, you know, if I'd have walked back there and looked at him when he said, like, what the, what the fuck was that? I get the fuck out of here, old man. I'm going to the dressing <laughs> room. Get, get your own fucking water. Uh, good Lord. I mean, honestly, you would have been – it, it very likely got your ass beat by somebody. You know, those, those, all those old timers—they were all salty old guys. Uh, but you know, if it wasn't an ass kicking, they would have ribbed you unmercifully and enjoyed it. They would have—they would have tortured you until you just quit. Um, and I saw it happen far more than once to other people, and. You know, it's just, but again, they weren't doing it because they were doing it to have fun uh, or screw with you. They were doing it because they, if they did it to you, they didn't think you had what it took. They didn't think you had what it took to draw, to learn, uh, to have, to go out and have a good match with them. And so they didn't want to be in the ring with some punk who thinks he's a know-it-all. Uh, and, you know, nose in the air and thinks he's better than he is because he's never drawn a dime yet. Do you think Pez Wally would have gone out and helped me learn? Dick Slater? Murdoch? Uh, any of those guys? You know, they, they had have said, shit, this kid's got a big head. This guy doesn't know shit. Uh, hasn't drawn a dime. Well, let's, let, let's, let's smarten this kid up a little bit. And their way of smartening you up would have been to stretch your ass in the ring, uh, to beat you up in the dressing room, or to rib you unmercifully, or all of the above. And I just, you know, I, I don't get, and again, that's not even a wrestling thing. If, if I'm a young teacher walking into a faculty lounge, and there's, you know, how many teachers of the year sitting in a faculty lounge, I don't walk in and ignore those teachers. And I've introduced myself. I'm, I'm Shane Douglas. I don't talk to them. Uh, I'm, if I'm a new teacher, I'm guessing they probably know something that I would like to learn. 
if I want to be a good teacher. Um, you know, it's just, uh, I don't know. Again, I, I keep going back to the culture. First of all, why would the WWE hire somebody like that? Some of the guys, you know, seven foot tall and, you know, the most impressive uh, physical specimen. Uh, it's not like, you know, he's such an accomplished worker and drawing so much money into the building that you can't fire him. Because I said a few minutes ago, there's nobody that's an expendable. So, again, some portion of this falls back to the company. And it's also not like there's a guy who still works for the company that would have ever done that in his career, uh, you know, <laughs> who uh, maybe a little bald now, but he definitely never did that back in 95 uh, through the hissy fit. But we won't get into that. It's late in the show, <laughs> so we won't get into that. But we will tease it for next week. We do have a little bit of print that we will read uh, in relation to this Leo Rush stuff that John just covered uh, that as we were kind of getting ready for the show – we found this uh, portion of a torch talk that you did with Wade Keller after leaving the WWF in 1995. And what you said in this article also kind of relates to some of the things that Leo Rush said and what he had talked about to the media. So we're going to cover that next week. So a little bit of a tease there uh, going forward because we want to do a little bit more homework on the in- uh, the interview itself that you did and just kind of get all the uh, the bases lined up. Don't want to uh, just willy-nilly throw it out there and not know what we're talking about. Yeah. So that'll be next week. But, look, we are a mere few weeks away from TMPT Con 3, the 35th anniversary of the Midnight Express and Jim Cornette. It's got a full Jim Cornette experience. So if you know what it's all about, it's, you know, the, the full Jim Cornette uh, I would say stage show. I mean, you get all the, the Cornette goodness that you could possibly imagine at this show. <laughs> but to include the first ever Richmond, Virginia appearance of Shane and Francine together at our show, we are so thrilled. We're so honored to have you guys doing that, uh, as well as being joined by a couple of your ECW cohorts, Jerry Lynn, the Sandman, and Just Incredible. But with the two of you at TMPT Con 3, we are, are so happy to have you guys. And we're a few weeks out. And, yeah, there's still some logistics getting worked out. Uh, putting together two shows in a matter of weeks has been kind of cray-cray, if they, as they say. It's been <laughs> a little all over the place. But we're getting it together. It's only a few weeks out. If you want to join us, head on over to Brown Paper Tickets. That's the official ticket vendor that we are using for this show. You could type TMPT Con 3. You could type in Jim Cornette Experience. You could type in the Midnight Express. You could type in Shane Douglas. Whatever you got to do, get to brownpapertickets.com or via our website, tmptofwrestling.com, and that's where all the information is. It's May 18th in Richmond, Virginia at the Holiday Inn on Commerce Road. It's about, eh, I'd say about 18 superstars that are going to be under one roof as we congregate on Richmond for the third consecutive year. And this time with a little bit of a uh, kind of a, a weird mix here. We got the NWA JCP contingent, but now we've got the ECW contingent. And we know how Cornette always felt about ECW. So there might be some uh, tempers <laughs> flaring at some point. But Shane, we're just a few weeks out and we've talked about it earlier in the episode. But, you know, we're so thrilled to have you both there. How do you feel about getting down to Richmond here in a few weeks? Well, I'm looking forward to it personally because of last year happened to miss, uh, having been double booked, was that the, the first uh, that you guys pulled together with Lesbian and that other convention had canceled. 
So I'm looking forward to it, to getting down there and, and to be able to do it with Francine. Uh, like I said, this for us has been like, you know, stepping right back in time. And, you know, I, I think if you read anything online of anybody that was at either of those shows, uh, I'm sure this, the, the feedback would be that you could tell that she and I were having a lot of fun. And, you know, it wasn't like, you know, a couple of people that hadn't worked together in a long time and, you know, the timing was off, whatever. It's crisp. I mean, like, I, that, I told her after, she really impressed the shit out of me because the timing was impeccable. And, uh, you know, so we're looking forward to getting down to, uh, to Richmond. It's been a while. In fact, I think the last time I was there was the, the, the original TMPT con. Uh, so looking forward to it and uh, with all the things that are going on there. Cause like this thing, since you first started talking about it, uh, several months ago, it seemed like it's really starting to grow and swell with the vendors talking about it. Uh, you know, like I said about the, uh, the, the, the one vendor wanted to have the, the dinner with us and, you know, the Jim Cornette experience. And for me, like just seeing the, uh, the midnight express, uh, reunion for me, that just pumps me up because I, I've, always loved Dennis Condrey, all the guys, but I mean, like Dennis was like one of those guys when I first was coming into the business, uh, that was, you know, right when the, the Midnight Express was getting really hot at that, you know, that initial outset. And I've always been a very huge fan of Dennis's. Uh, I mean, again, all those guys, you know, Bobby and Stan were always phenomenal to work with, but Dennis was one of those guys that I used to sit and watch him tonight. Man, this guy's incredible. You know, I just watched him in the dressing room, watched him on TV before that. So to, to get a chance to to see them together again, you know, it's, it's going to be a real kick for me. And any time I'm around Jim Cornette, he and I love to talk politics. So I'm really looking forward to having some good political discussions with Jim when I'm <laughs> down there. <laughs> We may want to keep it low key, so let's uh, <laughs> let's pick our spots. Let's pick our spots. But no, it's gonna be so great. Can't wait for the day. We can't wait for everybody to join us. You were Shane. You were TMPTCon before it had a name, so we'll just leave it. Uh, we'll leave it at that. But please, again, TMPTofWrestling.com. Get all the information there. We've got the franchise, Shane Douglas. Uh, links to the T-shirts at ProWrestlingTees.com. Grab your T-shirt. Come on down to TMPTCon three May eighteenth. It's going to be a happening, as they say. So we are so excited. And if you want to reach out to us via social media, in the meantime, hit us up on Twitter at at the franchise SD, at Two Man Power Trip, at Wrestling Pal, and at the Three Threat Pod. We appreciate everybody, and we look forward to a big episode ninety two. So Shane, I'm going to hand it over to you. Do what you do best. Get us on out of here, and get us on the road to episode number ninety two. Like now we're starting to get close to the, the changing of the century, right? The 1992 <laughs> to so hey, episode 91 under the bridge, 92 straight ahead. Make sure you tune in next week or get your ass franchised. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the two man power trip of wrestling. What the world is downloading.